and you can find it in the Church Bible on page 1004. That's page 1004. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great. Thank you very much, uh, Sarah. Uh, turn the lights off because I'm going to make use of the screen today to show different clips from a film called The Truman Show. It stars Jim Carrey. Uh, you may have seen it, The Truman Show. Just, just help me out here. If you've seen The Truman Show, can you just raise a hand? Oh, okay, oh, good. Okay, speaking to people. Uh, well, we'll, we'll watch a few clips. It'll kind of dust down the memory. Uh, but don't worry, if you haven't seen it, I'll just run through the, um, the sort of basic plot. And really, I think the premise here is that um, God speaks through uh, his gathered assembly. He speaks to us through the reading of his word. I wonder, too, how often God speaks to us through film and whether there's a message that he's wanting to get to us. I wonder whether that's true of The Truman Show. The Truman Show uh, features, stars, Jim Carrey as Truman Burbank. Truman is the star of the show, but he doesn't know. He was born into an artificial world, a set, a huge set covering thousands of kilometers that was all designed to house him. It's the biggest global soap opera. All the people that you see in the film are extras. They're primed through uh, intercom and so on to be in the right place at the right time, to be around Truman as he grows from his very first day through to where he is now, aged about 30. And all across the States and across the whole world, his life has been beamed through uh, hundreds and thousands of specially designed and concealed cameras. Every single angle of every single movement that Truman has made from his very first cry to his first steps 
for his first day at school has been recorded and watched worldwide. 24-7, 365 days a year, Truman is on the air. He's on the air and he's unaware. And here's the first clip from the person who created the show and effectively created Truman's life. We've become bored with watching actors give us phony auditions. We're tired of pyrotechnics and special effects. While the world we inhabit is in some respects counterfeit, there's nothing fake about Truman's show. No scripts, no cue cards. It isn't always Shakespeare, but it's Dennis. It's a life. it there. As Truman threw one of the cameras, and there's his creator, acknowledging that everything around him is counterfeit. But Truman is a real person, and he's living a life. And what kind of life is it? Well, as far as Truman's concerned, it's a great life. He's a happy chappy. Let, let's look at this next clip. A typical morning at the start of the day of Truman's life. Good morning! Okay, let's pause it there. That's it. Uh, he's, he's, just, he's thoughtful to all his friends. If he doesn't see them, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> he's having a great life. He's all right. He's happy. So, if Truman's happy in this artificial construct, cosseting him through the days and the weeks and the years of his life, how come the whole theme and subplot of the film is tracking his increasing sense of restlessness? You see, things have just begun to stir in Truman. One or two funny things happen. Here's an example in our next clip, just after he said good morning to his neighbors. huge, great uh, stage light. I know, so, forgive me, the, this lighting here, it's not so easy to see the screen, but a whacking great stage light. It's just landed in the middle of the road out of blue sky. Where's that come from? Uh, on the radio, uh, on his way into work, um, the creator who we saw earlier on, he, he sort of manufactures the, the, the situation so that he gets the, uh, the, the guy, the DJ on the radio, to say that a plane is in trouble and it started jettisoning its cargo, including a whole load of theatre props. So he goes, oh, oh, okay, that's what that was. But then in another car journey, there's a little bit of interference on the car radio that he's got on, and he hears what sounds like a director telling extras on a film to be in place. 
He says, they keep on talking about this character, this main guy. He's driving down Lancaster Street. And, and as Truman's listening to this sort of strange interference on the radio, he notices that he's driving down Lancaster Street. Quick, he's turning left. Extras, get ready. We need the cafe ready. Just as he turns left towards the cafe. It's as if whatever he's listening to on the radio is describing his life. There's another bit where a lift door opens just a bit too early, revealing a whole load of extras, not sitting in the lift, but in some kind of cafe, having coffee. They weren't expecting the lift door to open, a little malfunction. And Truman is wondering, what's going on here? What's happening? Is my life real? The theme behind what we're presented on The Truman Show, I want to suggest, is this. That a real person in a counterfeit world will start to ask real questions. In other words, a fake world, a counterfeit world, full of disappointments and illusionary promise, a fake world cannot hold a real person in peace and harmony and true satisfaction. But here's the question. If Truman, a real person in an unreal world, is seeking after truth and reality, how will he know when he finds it? How will he discover what truly satisfies if from day one, even before his birth, he's been surrounded by counterfeit and unreality? What is true truth for Truman? What is real reality? Just pause on Truman for a moment. Can I ask that question of myself? And of us this morning. How do we know what's real, dependable, trustworthy? How do we know what truly brings satisfaction? And I ask that just because the 17th century Dutch philosopher uh, ben Benedict Spinoza, he said this. He was kind of uh, in his his great work was a book called Ethics and he kind of was arguing against Descartes at the time who said we can think, we can reason out everything, we can work everything out in our heads. And Spinoza was one of those, a number, who countered that and said no, there's more to us than just than what we can think and work out and reason. And he said desire is the very essence of man. Desire is the very essence of man. And we see all around us in the world today evidence of, uh, of, of the sort of truth of that reality. Because all around us, particularly in our culture, people, people look to pander to and feed the desire that lies within us. But I want to suggest always with things that cannot ultimately satisfy that desire. Look at the magazines on the racks in our uh, supermarkets and newsagents. Constantly putting out pictures of the beautiful person. If you go on this diet, if you wear these clothes, if you use this foundation, whatever it is, you could look like this. They hold up a picture of what you don't look like, what I don't look like. And they, they, they say, you could. Do you desire this? Would you like to look like this? Buy this lotion, buy this magazine, more to the point. 
and you could. And we fall for it, in a sense, along with uh, the celebrity culture, lifting up people that we aspire to in one rather shallow sense until they fall dissatisfied and we raise up others. We live in a culture that is constantly seeking to elicit desire from us. I was uh, struck by uh, this research uh, in, in the papers just recently. Dr. Tessa, Tessa Livingston, who's the creator of the BBC's Child of Our Time project, uh, and she says this, in talking about parenting and children, and the fact that our children, according to this survey, are some of the least happy in Europe, let alone the rest of the world. And yet, you know, we're one of the most materially well-off countries. You know, how can this be? Studies are trying to get at this. What parents often end up doing, she says, with their children is shopping. The average 10-year-old can name-check 400 brands and is increasingly likely to use them to measure their self-worth. Even four-year-olds in our study could tell brands apart and knew what celebrities wore. Meanwhile, they are inundated with presents. There are th 7.3 billion pounds worth of goods in children's bedrooms in this country. Yet a recent survey has found that what makes children happy is not endless toys, video games, and expensive trainers, but playing outside with friends and family. In other words, according to the children in the survey, what really satisfies is just relational connection, not stuff. It's the ability to relate with one another, with parents. And I'd want to argue ultimately with God. One commentator summed it up like this, the sign of our times. We spend more, but have less. We have more leisure, but have less fun. We have more medicine, but less well-being. This is the age of higher incomes, but lower morals. More acquaintances, but fewer friends. Steep profits, but shallow relationships. We have everything to live with and nothing to live for. We've added years to our life, but not life to our years. We've learned how to make a living, but not how to live a life. I ask myself this question, can I ask you too? Are we living the life that we've been created for? Or are we living the life that we've settled would we know? Back to Truman. How does he know what's real? What hope is there for Truman cocooned in his artificial world? And the hope lies in an actress. Uh, her real name is Sylvia, although she's uh, Lauren, is her stage name. And she's been on scene and on set with, with uh, Truman, and then when she's not acting, she, it's not her part, she's watched him on television as part of the multi-global audience that just tracks his life. And yet there's something in Sylvia that reaches out to Truman. She has compassion for him. And she longs that he could escape this counterfeit little web and break out into real, true life. To live the life that he's been created by God to live. She engages him. Because she's real. There's something about her to Truman that's different from all the other actors who are just going through the motions. She's reaching to his heart, his soul. 
he touches his spirit. And in this next clip that we're going to see, she manages to kind of steal away from all the cameras. I mean, she knows the whole setup. Of course, Truman, is, he's on the air, he's unaware. He doesn't know. Uh, and so he thinks that she's leading him for a sort of a sneaky first date. But actually what they're doing is racing down to the beach where there aren't so many cameras so that she's got just a moment to tell him the reality of his situation. Uh, so they run to the beach, uh, and uh, she's looking out for people who are, they, you know, they're going to be uh, uh, primed by Christoph to, to, to intercept them and to throw them off course. And in just the few moments that they have left, she outlines to, to Truman the real situation of his world. You may not be able to see this. This is, uh, they're on the beach, I think. Okay, so they're running down the beach. I'll, I'll describe it to you. because They're running down the beach. It's dark. That's why we can't see it. Uh, and they're by the sea. That's the kiss. I guess you'll just have to rent the film and see it for yourself. That's the beach scene. You go to the, go to the episodes uh, and the scene on the beach where she de- makes a desperate attempt to reveal the truth to Truman. Here's the heart of the Christian message. It, there's good news. There is hope at the heart of the Christian faith. And it's this. That amid all the false promise and the counterfeit nature of the world in which we live, there's people around us, people like us, even us ourselves from time to time. We, we lie and we cheat and we steal and we rob and we denigrate. There is a real life that we can grasp and hold and live out in our lives. We can know real reality and true truth. 
And uh, when we had that reading that Sarah brought earlier from, from a guy called John, he basically was outlining Jesus' life. And John is a bit like Sylvia. He's kind of saying, look, amid all the, the, the sort of pretense around us, we can actually know a true man who can lead us into true, real life that will deeply satisfy physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. We can know and be known to the very fiber of our being, which brings what the Bible calls shalom, peace, wholeness. And we can live that life right now. John says, to all who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of a human descent or of some natural descent or of a father's will, but born of God. Right at the epicenter of the Christian faith is this extraordinary miracle and wonderful promise that we can receive the life of God like a seed in fertile soil. He comes by his spirit to live in us so that with him living in us, we can begin to live the life we were truly created to live. The rest of the movie, The Truman Show, basically charts Truman's attempt to distance himself from all the fake friends around him, from the fake family, from the fake work, from everything, in a desperate pursuit to find Sylvia in order to begin to live the life that he's glimpsed through her. And in just a few minutes' time, as I finish, I'm going to invite you to stand where you are if you would like to begin a new life following Jesus Christ. Uh, now, sometimes what I do is just uh, ask the rest of the congregation to keep their hand, heads and their hands buried in, in an attitude of prayer. But I know what happens. Everyone goes like this. So I'm not even going to pretend to do that. And probably everyone will look at you as I invite you to stand. And I recognize that that's going to be a challenge. I'll give you just a few minutes for the thought to settle in. But already, God, by his spirit, is working on you and in you. He's longing for you to step up, step out, and step into real life with him. Got a, a, a final clip. I, and again, I hope it, it comes off. But uh, this basically is where Truman has to face his fear. He has to take on his challenge. Because sown into him from childhood is a fear of water. And his world where he lives is surrounded by water. It's how Christoph, the creator, has kind of, kind of imprisoned him, really, psychologically, uh, in, this little, in this little bubble because of Truman's fear of being able to get away. And yet he's determined. And so he gets a little dinghy boat and he starts to set sail. And Christoph, the creator, who has kind of control over the whole, this whole fake world, Christoph uh, puts in train a, a storm, a sort of seas roar and a wind and the waves, in a desperate attempt to get Truman to turn back. But Truman won't. And the boat capsizes and Truman is plunged into the water. And we think for a minute, and this is everyone watching live on TV, we think for a minute that he's going to drown. And something in Christoph relents. And the storm abates and the boat is righted. And uh, this is where we pick it up next.
pushes open the door on the threshold of the start of the rest of his life. And Christoph is desperate to hold on to him. Stay with me, he says. And he starts to tell the story of, well, do you remember when you lost your first tooth? Do you remember this? Do you remember that? And all the while, he's building up a picture. It was safe. It was secure back where you were. And I bet right now, there's a little voice saying, don't do it. Don't stand up. Don't make a fool of yourself. Don't leave what you know. Don't hold on to everything that you've earned and, and built up. Don't take the risk. Don't stand up for Jesus. But Truman has passed the point of no return. He's pushed open the door that leads to the rest of his life. And despite what Christoph pleads from him, this is his response and what happens afterwards. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, good evening. Yeah. Cease transmission. The Truman Show is over. All that was fake, all that was unreal, forever finished. Truman has stepped into real life. I finish by saying this. There are three categories here this morning. There are those of us maybe who you, you've kind of engaged with this as far as you can. I know that the screen hasn't been too good. Uh, and with what John is saying in John's Gospel, and you're aware, as we were saying earlier, of this Alpha course, an opportunity to explore the meaning of life, a practical introduction to what Christians believe. And maybe you're in the first category of people who say, do you know what, Tim, I'm, honestly, I'm not, I couldn't stand right now. I want to ask a few more questions. I want to explore this a little bit more. How can I find out? And if that's you, Alpha is for you. And uh, I, I'm about to start my 24th Alpha course, and I'm as excited about this 24th one as I was the first one I did. It is a brilliant way to refresh understanding on the Christian faith or to discover for the first time what it is that Christians believe and how Jesus Christ is relevant to our lives today. I, I, I commend Alpha to you. Take one of these leaflets at the back. Uh, if you can give me a ring, it just helps to cater for, we'll do a light supper uh, for everyone who comes. So it'd be nice to know how many are, are coming on Wednesday. Even just come for the first one. You don't have to stay for the whole course. It's like six, seven sessions. Just come for the first one. This, eve, uh, this Wednesday, we're looking at who is Jesus? What's so special about him? Why is he relevant for me today? That's if you're in the first category. The second category are, are those of you who just a few minutes ago, I said it's time to stand. Because you've been maybe you know, coming to church a bit or you went as a kid perhaps to school and, and Sunday school and that kind of thing. 
and you realize that actually there's a stirring in your heart right now and you know that you want to make a stand for Jesus. You want to go through your storm. You want to go public, go live, step through the door and to begin to live your life for God through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite you to stand right now. I realize that's a courageous thing to do, a bold thing to do, and you will not regret it. I'm standing, and I'm simply asking and inviting you, if that's you, to stand where you are. I'm going to give just a few seconds for that. I don't want you to be oppressive with the silence. for those of you who have already made a stand, you've already taken a step, you, you know yourself to be a Christian, and yet maybe you've been seduced by the world around, and you want to make a fresh step, you want to make a new start, it's almost as if you want to retrace through new steps, push the door open again, resist the voice of Christoph, as it were, and step into renewed life, and again, uh, along with that second category, I want to invite you now, where you are, to stand. You may describe yourself as a Christian, a member of this church or of another, but would you stand as an act of commitment if that's what God is calling you to do? Don't stand anyone just to try and make me look good or to try and keep me happy. I'm, I'm totally happy looking an idiot. But if there's one person who responds for the first time to Jesus' call or for a second or third time, then I want to give this opportunity now. you guys. It's a brave thing to do. It's a courageous thing to do, and God will honor that. Let's uh, all of us stand with these guys here. We're going to pray for them. There may be others who, as you stand even now, within the sort of security and safety of others, that's fine. Actually, you're calling out to God. It's, he's the key. That's not about me or us or any of us. It's uh, the Lord who can see into our hearts. Father, I want to thank you for this man here and for this lady back here for their courage to respond to your call, to make a new start, new commitment, fresh resolve. And Lord, as they've had the courage to stand, I pray you'd meet them in that courage and in that stand, that you'd speak to them, you'd guide them, you'd strengthen and encourage them to walk in freedom. Father, for every single one of us as we stand now, uh, new term and new starts, and with all that lies ahead, your spirit would guide and equip us, strengthen and encourage us, fill us with your Holy Spirit now, with light and life and love, that when we walk from this building, we do so as changed And equip us, Lord, in our homes, in our places of work, in our communities. 
what Jesus said. Amen. Amen. I'd love to, I'd love just to meet with um, uh, just briefly. I'd love just to uh, pray with you and there'll be one or two others you can pray if you can afterwards so that we can uh, uh, just help you with the next steps. But for now, as we remain standing, let's, if we can have the lights back on and if the band can come back, we're going to take up an offering as we sing uh, our song and that uh, offering will come up during the singing of the song and then we'll have an opportunity for prayer and a blessing. much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I made it when it's all much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made it when it's all about you it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. But it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. 
Lord, thank you for the gifts you give us, and most of all for the gift of Jesus, the lover and uh, saviour of our souls. Lord, please take these gifts and use them uh, for your glory and um, to bring your love to many in Jesus' name. So we're coming to the end of the formal part of our service. Um, if you've uh, responded in any way, either by standing or just in your heart to what Tim's been saying, please do come to the front. You may need to ask somebody to pick your children up for you. Um, please do come to the front and we'd love to pray for you. Um, we've got tea and coffee at the back otherwise and we'd love to uh, get to know you a little bit better. But please receive this blessing as we head out into the rest of our day reminded of the great gift uh, of God's love to each one of us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.